Hello and welcome to our viewers on cruxinvestor.com and also to our listeners on Cruxcast, our new podcast series. Online, we've got Mark Selby, the CEO of RNC Minerals. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Morning, Matthew. How are you? Very well. Thanks for joining us. We're making this a habit now. We spoke last exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> we've got um, lots of news happening. So. Fantastic. Well, you did say that you were going to be providing more news more often. So, you know, um, that, that, that's great. Um, now, you've got a press release that's come out today talking about Dumont. Yeah, um, that's correct. So, you know, it's been sort of in the back, taking the back seat to beta hunt uh, for a while. Yeah. But why don't you talk us through what is in that feasibility study and why, you know, investors should be excited? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, again, you know, we're in the very fortunate position to be a junior company with two uh, great assets. One, you know, the most exciting gold discovery at Beta Hunt. And now, um, you know, with Dumont, uh, you know, the feasibility study basically confirms, you know, where we were before. Um, this is, you know, over 900 million U.S. NAV. Uh, it'll be one of the largest base metal mines in Canada, you know, up there with Highland Valley and uh, which is Tech's big copper mine in Canada, or Boise's Bay. Um, it'll be one of the largest uh, nickel sulfide operations globally, just behind uh, Norilsk's massive Russian operations, Jinchuan's Chinese operations, uh, you know, and then Dumont now will be comparable in size to where uh, where Sudbury's operating today in terms of nickel output. Uh, and then, you know, most importantly, with today's market, it'll be it is one of the largest battery metal projects that's ready to go to be able to meet the needs of, of uh, you know, the demand coming from from electric vehicles. Fantastic. So now there was a feasibility study done in 2013, and I think you then also yeah. did a 2015 EPC report. Tell, because obviously people have been waiting for this, this yeah. Dumont uh, update. They're very excited to kind of see what, what we've got. I, th I think everyone's got a sense of the scale of it, which is great. But why did you go through that process? What did you need to discover? Sure. The, the, the key thing was, you know, we had done the, the feasibility study in 2013, you know, but the fundamental change really is around the macro assumptions. You know, the Canadian dollar is no longer 95 cents uh, to the U.S. dollar. It's down at 75 cents. Uh, you know, nickel prices, you know, weren't at the level, uh, you know, weren't not, aren't nine dollars right now. Um, so, you know, we updated the price deck, we updated the currency deck. Um, and then the key piece that we added on was the um, uh, the roasting path to market. Um, we had worked, if you go through our news flow through 2011, 2014, 15, work with Qingshan, who's now the largest stainless producer and largest nickel producer in the world uh, to demonstrate that uh, roasting nickel concentrate is a very low cost, high value way to get nickel units into the stainless steel chain. So that's what we've incorporated um, into the feasibility study um, there. So in terms of, you know, value creation for the business, um, yeah. what are the what are the key outputs? What has what this new feasibility study told you, which you didn't already know in terms of the economics? Yeah, the key piece is, is is the really demonstrating for Dumont the value of concentrate roasting as a path to market, and then you know updating the the macro environment in terms of currency, oil prices, and metal prices uh, for where we are now versus where we were uh, in 2013. You know, and the nice thing is, you know, it's a low second quartile cash cost producer. We're actually under three dollars a pound or sixty six hundred dollars a ton cash cost. Through the first phase of operation, we're under four dollars on an all-in sustaining cash cost basis. 
across the life of the project. And I think you'll find very few uh, nickel operations that have that kind of all-in-sustaining cash cash costs. Um, and so, you know, we're very, very happy, you know, with, you know, having something that's a very long life, you know, uh, low cost, um, very robust mining operation. So, so tell us about some of this, because I'm, look, I'm looking at the release and it, and it does, it talks about electrification of the mine incorporating trolley assist. It talks about obviously the, the concentrate roasting conversion of ferro and nickel extract. Can you talk specifically to some of those components, if you don't mind? Sure. Yeah. In terms of trolley, um, this is something we looked at in, in 2013, and the pit design at the time wasn't optimal for it. So we've now optimized that we've tweaked the, the mine design so that it's better set up to use trolley. And so uh, what trolley does is basically you, you just like a streetcar has overhead wires that allows you to drive a truck up a ramp on electricity and, and allows the trucks to go up much faster. Yeah. Uh, and you obviously don't use uh, nearly as much diesel, um, which generates a lot less um uh, you know, CO2 emissions. So right. uh, we, we're very fortunate to be in Quebec where the, the power rates there are, are roughly just over three cents US a kilowatt hour, which are among the most competitive power rates globally. And so, um, you know, it makes sense to try and take advantage of as much power as we can um, in, in the region. Fantastic. And then the conversion to ferro nickel, that whole process was... Yeah, because yeah, basically... Again, the, the, the piece here says it just, it, it just kind of gives you options as to what you want to do rather than actually giving a definitive answer. Yeah, one, one of the difficulty with nickel sulfide operations globally is that it's, you know, it's been a pretty, uh, you know, almost oligopolistic market in terms of, of, of the smelt. There's basically a half a dozen smelters that treat nickel concentrates, you know, and the pricing for those have, have, has been, you know, very much in favor of the smelters and not so much in favor of the miners. And so, you know, we, we came up with this path to market that once this, once we roast off the sulfur, which is done in, in lots of different operations globally, um, it looks then looks like a high-grade laterite ore feed. So we can then go to any nickel pig iron plant, any ferro-nickel smelter, and we work with several of the largest stainless steel companies back in 2014-15 to prove it could go directly into their flow sheet. So, you know, with, with more options um, and with a much lower cost path to market, uh, you know, we, we increase the value very dramatically in terms of what we get paid for the concentrate. Right. And I guess that means that whoever you're, you're looking for a strategic partner to come in here, that kind of gives them information, which I guess they make a decision based on what's going on in the market at that time. Yeah, exactly. And, and the nice thing is we have complete flexibility in terms of, right. you know, right now that path to market just pays for the nickel. It doesn't pay for the cobalt and PGMs, mm. but those cobalt and PGMs are in the concentrate. So. Uh, if somebody wants wants the value of those, or if the market price is high enough, or the, you know we're in an area where the content of that cobalt or PGMs is high enough, we can easily send that concentrate to a smelter to recover that that cobalt or uh, platinum, platinum, palladium, and platinum. Yeah, so lots of optionality there, which I, I guess is exciting. And, and you, I think again in the in the release, there's some numbers which you put against that, which people should look at. Um, yeah. You also talk about employing you know smaller more maneuverable equipment in terms of reducing the overburden that's an interesting thought yeah yeah one of the key pieces again with you know as we went through all the various feasibility studies that we've done mm. um on the project um is was really about um making a much more you know reliable to construct and reliable to operate mining operation you know we have the intent you know 
go sell it to the right person, but we, you know, are also positioning it to be able to build it ourselves. So we want to make sure it starts up properly and ramps up properly. And so, you know, one of the keep, you know, one of the things that we've done as we've gone through, uh, you know, through this uh, engineering study is look for ways to eliminate some of that risk. So by starting with a smaller footprint, um, by having two pieces of equipment um, rather than one larger one, um, operating, it just gives you that much more flexibility to, to make sure you can deal with, with issue, unforeseen issues that always pop. Right, right, right. And, um, and again, just going to finish off the, the two, two points which you make. Uh, tailing storage facility design improvements. So that that is, um, again, quite a hot topic at the moment. Um, yeah. you, you've looking at, looked at optimizing that as well, have you? Yeah, no, we, what we did there is, you know, again, we are, the project's fully permitted. Um, we have permitted tailings design there. Again, we're just looking for ways to do things better. So we just have a, have a new tailings design um, that's easier and simpler to construct, you know, and then, you know, basically results in, in, in less water being, uh, you know, not as high off the ground, which is what ultimately causes issues. So um, we had a good design before. We think we have an even better design now. Right, right, right. Okay. And then um, you, you kept the mining rate the same, like twice the capacity of the mill. Uh, I guess yeah. that's for obvious reasons. Yeah, no, no. We basically put the highest grade, highest recovery material through the mill first um, and then stop all the lower grade, lower recovery material. It has a couple benefits. One, obviously, it brings forward uh, cash flow. Yeah. Two, you know, having stockpiles of material allow you to deal with, again, you know, issues that may pop up at the mine or the mill and so forth. So it gives you a lot more operating flexibility to have that stockpile that you can then work with. Right. Okay. And um, I mean, so, so gen generally, I guess that this is an optimize, optimizing process you've been through and, you know, you've, you've looked at, you know, the, the project design, risk mitigation, operational you know, liabilities and the usual, how, how, how do we save? Save money um, throughout, yeah. but you've also got a couple of things in there, which well, three things which kind of caught my mind, uh, my eye, um, around the automating of the the, the, the fleet, um, an additional uh, operational uh, scenario, um, yeah. and potential sale of magnetite, which, and you've put some numbers there, so but they're not in the base case as 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 it says here. Yeah. So why have you done that? Yeah, so there are there are different things that we weren't able to get to a full feasibility study level. And again, we were very keen to make sure we sort of stayed focused on the scope that we defined in, in 2015. Yeah. Um, but there are you know, a number of things that, that have emerged in the market that we think can add real value um, to the project. I think combined, those are almost $300 million more NAV. So, yeah. you know, first off, the easiest one is in terms of, um, you know, with a magnetite concentrate, we have magnetite in our ore body. We have a, effectively now a, a stream that goes out to tailings that contains a significant amount of iron and at the right price, um, it's, it's, it adds a significant amount of value. So that's something we're gonna continue, continue to, to look, look mm -hmm. at. Um, the second thing is in terms of autonomous trucks, you know, those are rapidly becoming sort of the standard in a lot of large open pits. They're not quite there yet. So, you know, we, we, we didn't wanna put that in the base case, you know, per se, but, you know, as the project moves forward, you know, that is, that is a real option for us, you know, and that's something that we're definitely exploring uh, further, you know, and then the third piece is, is really around, um, you know, in our discussions with various battery market participants, you know, they want a lot more nickel sooner. Um, you know, that's something that's that's comes comes through loud and clear. So, in order to address that, you know, we've looked at options of producing, you know, significantly more nickel upfront um, with with not too much incremental uh, capex, 
And again, that's an option that, you know, with the right partner, you know, we could uh, move forward um, on quite quickly. Well, I mean, that, that's really interesting. I mean, I guess it gives people like investors like us um, a sort of sight of what the future could look like without it necessarily being in, in, in this feasibility study. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, we'll probably do some work on that and come back to you with some, some questions if we may. Um, yeah. Can I, can I just talk about the, the, the overall project? Obviously, you're looking for a partner. I mean, you, you've yeah. been very, very clear about that, that now you're at a point where obviously you're saying it's fully funded through to, to this point. Um, you're going to have discussions or continue discussions with strategic partners. And by strategic, you mean operating partners. They will operate this and pay for it. Yeah, well, more importantly, they'll pay for it. You know, we'll, right. we can do the operating team right. to operate the asset. Again, if, it, if, it's, if it's somebody um, who has more operating expertise than we do, more than glad, you know, to, uh, to work with them. We did that with our read mine with HUD Bay. Um, but, you know, we're building the team to, 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 to build and operate it uh, if we need to. But it's really around a funding partner. You know, right. again, we want to put this forward with the least dilution possible to, to RNC shareholders. And again, um, it's not uncommon with projects at the scale to be able to have, bring somebody in where, you know, the capital requirement for the, the current project owners is, is, is relatively de minimis. So, I mean, talking about that, what does a what does a JV like this typically look like? I know you can't get into it. You have you you know right. early stage discussions, but you know, give us yeah. a sort of sense of what we you know the uh, the RNC uh, shareholders could end up with. You know, yeah, no, there's there's typically um, you know there's what I sort of call the more Asian project model where you have an Asian off taker. They own anywhere between twenty and forty percent of the project. You know, typically their you know their buy-in premium helps fund a big chunk of, of the required equity for the entire project, uh, and then they bring access to lower-cost uh, Asian debt along alongside it. Um, you can again, you know, that's sort of one bucket. You know, there's a second bucket where you have um, uh, you have large mining companies um, who may want anywhere from you know 50% to 100% uh, of the asset. Um, so. Uh, and again, I think you know what's encouraging there is you, if you, there was news last week that BHP said they're going to keep their Nickel West business. They see significant optionality and upside given the growth that's happening in the EV space. Um, you know, Glencore put out a great presentation the week before last. The conference really sort of spelling out what that Nickel growth looks like. So, um, you know, and we have had talks with you know uh, various companies in the past, and who we've all been waiting for the right Nickel market, which I think we're. Now getting into to be able to advance this further. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I'm just looking at the LME numbers. I mean, their forecast of growth. Well, they're suggesting to, uh, in 2030, nickel prices will be at 23,000, which would yeah. be quite a nice, quite a nice day for everyone if that happens. Um, oh yeah, very. Much. <laughs> so, I mean, does that does that do those sorts of numbers affect your thinking in terms of? I mean, clearly you've got a, a billion bucks worth of capex, so you're not going to yeah. do that. You're going to bring a partner in, but. I guess that goes towards your negotiations with them as, as the price rises in terms of what percentage you get. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we'll, um, we've got our 28% interest today, you know, and as the operator, um, you know, again, we want to keep as much of that as possible through, through the process. And there are a number of paths that allow us to have, you know, be able to keep that entirely. Um, you know, I think, you know, from our perspective, you know, the, the, we, you know, we're in a position where the nickel market is really set to improve, quite stru structurally improve. It's, it's, a, it's in great place right now with we've went multi-year deficits. You know, I think we're going to continue to get that through um, 
through the next several years here. And so, um, you know, I think, and when nickel markets turn, they tend to turn very quickly. So, you know, obviously as, as, as nickel starts to realize its potential, the, you know, the value of Dumont's only gonna climb from here. And you can see in the feasibility study results, what kind of leverage we have to the, the, the nickel price. Yeah, I think, I, you know, our, our reading of this suggests that people should be quite pleased with this feasibility. Well, are you, are you pleased with this feasibility? Study? Oh, no, ex extremely pleased. Like this is, you know, there are very few billion dollar NAV projects in lowerest jurisdictions sitting in a pile of infrastructure that are fully permitted and ready to go uh, today. So, and, and you've seen. Okay. And just, just one, one, again, just tell me on some numbers here, Mark. Um, sure. So how much has been spent by you on Dumont to date? And as part of your negotiations, do you get to recover that earlier? Or is that just part of you, you recoup that over the period of the, or the term of the agreement? Yeah, we just recoup that over the period of, of the investment. Right. Okay. You know, again, I, you know, in, in this, the, the, the development stage markets we've been in, you know, that's, you know, what you've what you've paid in is you've paid in, but it's really about focused on the value going forward. And again, having a billion dollar project value is, you know, helps, you know, make sure that we'll, you know, more than get our monies back on it. So. Right. Do you mind if we um, just park Dumont? It's, I mean, congratulations, by the way. Great, yeah. great, great, great announcement. Um, can I just ask you a few questions on it? Uh, the, the sister company um, or sister sure. asset? Beta Hunt. Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind. So, with it's, and I want to talk specifically about the drilling there. Okay. Now, obviously, in the yeah. resource estimate, you've used thirty-five thousand meters worth of, of of drilling, but there's plans for additional drilling. To as I understand it from our previous conversation, to get a sort of sense of what these shares are doing. Can you just talk to that a little bit? Because sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, we're doing a forty thousand meter campaign. Thirty-five thousand meters was focused on. On really just expanding and, and upgrading the resource that we you know that we have, yeah. um, we're taking the final 5,000 meters and really focused on those meters on showing investors the scale of the exploration potential that's there. You know, again, we believe we have four separate shears. There's over four kilometers of Strike Lake that have been indicated, you know, within the first 10 meters of these shears from the historic nickel drilling. Um, so we, you know, in terms of you know highlighting some of the strike and some of the depth potential. Uh, of this of this resource is what we're going to be targeting through the, the final phase of this the drilling program. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, talk to me about that. So, th there is going to be some drilling at depth, is there? And 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 what? And if so, why? Yeah. No. The the key is 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 again. We, you know, you know. As I said, we think there's four shears with at least four kilometer strike length. Um, and uh, you know, given the geology there, you know, we think these structures continue for you know a significant distance. Um, and so. You know, we really focused our drilling on a tiny fraction of that overall potential to date. So, you know, it's really sort of highlighting the fact, well, okay, if we're getting, you know, this much, you know, resource in, in, in 10 to 15% of that overall potential, you know, you know, you know, what, what could it look like if we find, find more, you know, more gold in more places uh, to be able to take that same amount of resource and extrapolate it over a much, much larger set of structures. Right, and and so, so tell me about that. So you you obviously got you know thirty five thousand meters um, done. Where is this five thousand meters going to be drilled? Are you going to do be a lot, a lot of infilling, step out, etc.? But where specifically is it anywhere near for the farthest day vein? Yeah, no, we'll be targeting the the uh, sediment horizon. You know, in some of in uh, along the the shears um, or on on some of the other shears, just to see if you know. Again, we believe it it will be there, and just to highlight the fact that. Uh, uh, we, we do see it, um, and 
you know, again, though more, the, again, the bulk of it is, is more just to show what that base resource looks like right. um, and how it can extend, you know, well beyond where, you know, just the very relatively small area that we focus most of the drilling today. Right. So there's, there's, there's no, is, so I'm not quite sure. Is there a plan to look around the Father's Day vein, obviously where you had that, you know, magnificent um, find um, and try yeah. to identify that or, or do these shares you know, sit elsewhere. You know, you know, the Father's Day vein is one very small piece of where the sediment and shear intersect. Where you know we're hoping to, you know, show that that exists in in a bunch of other places and in, in the mine. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, like, I, I guess as that develops, you'll tell that story. So you know, I appreciate. Oh yeah. Your time. Yeah. Just quickly on Higginsville. Obviously, I think thank you very much for last week for clearing up. Mm -hmm. You know, the the thinking and the logic behind that. Um, and I guess it's early days, but you know, have the team, your team, looked at the data around how they're going to develop the exploration component of that? Um, right now, we've been really focused just on on near term production there, which will be coming from the blue pit. Um, you know, that's again, I think a lot of the option value that's there is, you know, that's a massive land package in one of the great coal producing regions which hasn't seen much exploration for the last few years. So, you know, obviously right now the, the focus on exploration will be beta hunt. Um, but, you know, we've just purchased a massive amount of optionality um, with that Higginsville land package. And that's something that we'll sort through once we've, you know, got the integration done and make sure that's executing well. And then we'll start to explore that optionality on, on a pace that makes sense. Right, so, so two things there, I guess, you mentioned last time that Blue had a sort of softer rock uh, yeah. which in terms of you know feeding into Higginsville could could actually be quite beneficial to you. Um, you know, is that beneficial in terms of it, it, another means of reducing the ASIC, which again, we talked about last week? Yeah, for sure. Because the, the, the feed for most of the last period of time has been, you know, very hard or that's 85 kilometers away that, that, that achieves, you know, um, uh, much lower recoveries than what we get with with beta hunt um, blue is softer it's only 10 kilometers away um, and gets you know recovers similarly to the kind of recoveries that we get at beta hunt right okay that's, that's interesting. so again that, that more needs to come out about that as and when you you work that out um, exactly. but one big question which kind of people have been asking and we're interested in and i should have asked before which was the the mill itself is you know 1.3 million tons per annum any yeah thoughts about upgrading that increasing that are you able to do that yeah no they, they were uh west gold was actually looking at scenarios where they could expand that mill further to feed it with lower grade ore from some of the other property other other mines on their property mm. um so yeah no they've actually done done a bunch of work to, sh to show that that mill can be expanded um you know by another 20 or 30 percent so again you know as we go forward here if if, if we have resource um, that's profitable to to put through that mill. You know, that's an option that we'll look at at some point in the future. Right. So another twenty, thirty percent. Okay. So you could be potentially getting up up towards the two million mark potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. But more work to be done before you make that decision. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, most definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then a, a part of that is working out if you're enough enough to feed that mill and keep keep that going. Okay. Um, and again, one final point with regards to. Uh, Funding of Beta Hunt, royalty streaming, which you've done with Dumont, is that part of the the equation, or is that part of the thinking for Beta? Hunt? No, Beta Beta Hunt always had always, already has a fairly uh, hefty royalty on it, um, so yeah, that's not an option that we would look at with uh, with Beta Hunt going forward. Okay, 
That's fantastic, Mark. Appreciate it. It's early. I know you've 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 got quite a big day ahead of you. So thank you very much for uh, updating us. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you again, and and uh, you know continue this you know, talking to the market, giving us guidance is is much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Take care. Have a good day. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you wanna see more insightful, in-depth, honest, and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.